This is a manager's mindset. Hey Adam, it's James. How you doing? G'day James, really well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Thanks for being on uh, the podcast tonight, by the way. Not a problem, mate. Not a problem. Happy to, happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, fantastic. How's your day been? Been really busy, actually. Yeah. That's, um, that's good. There's people, there's people that cliche it and say busy is a state of mind, but no, busy is actually a thing. It's good when you're busy. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, just um, lots and lots of meetings, lots and lots of different people and lots and lots of things accomplished, so it's a good one today. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good to hear. I guess I'll just give you sort of a, a bit of a background towards why I've started this podcast and where I want to go with it and why I've invited you onto the show, I guess. Basically, uh, I work in the cables and electrical industries. I started in internal sales and moved up to sales rep, and now I've been uh, promoted at the start of this year to a product manager. Thanks. The The thing about it is, you know, you sort of, I, well, I, myself, I've been in sales for quite some time, probably 10 plus years in terms of management. You know, I've never been there before. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would be in a similar boat along with moving into a management position. There's new challenges. There's, you know, dealing with upper management and learning more about the inside of the business and all that type stuff. So like currently I have a I guess you'd call him a mentor. He's been with the company for probably 20 plus years. Basically, our boss was uh, told me that, you know, you've got a couple of weeks weeks to do handover. And I was like, well, I don't know, I kind of feel a bit intimidated. You know, you've got someone who has 20 plus years experience in doing what he does and trying to compact it down into a couple of weeks to do a handover. You know, like how am I meant to not mold, but uh, or be molded, take on those responsibilities of someone who has that many years of experience versus, you know, trying to compact it into a couple of weeks to do a handover and go, okay, this baby's all yours now. So so that's that's where this podcast stemmed from was was that basically in a nutshell. And um, it was like, well, I'm sure there's other people out there who are in management or leadership roles who have faced similar challenges or have maybe some of the, the challenges that I speak about. There may be, you know, others that I haven't even considered yet. So I was like, well, let's talk to some people who are in management positions and let's, you know, let's see how they tackle those challenges. Let's get their insights and evolve and learn and, you know, and help not only myself, but the other people that are out there, you know, that may be in similar positions. That's awesome. Mm. That's awesome, man. It, it strongly resonates with me. I think we're really guilty in Australia of um, recruiting people because they're really, really good at what they do and then just naturally assuming that they're going to be great at, uh, at leading and managing people while giving them absolutely no training on how to do that. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I think that um, it's a great initiative for you to run the podcast because I think there'll be heaps of people out there in the same boat as you, James. Appreciate hearing that, uh, you know, like... I personally, I, I thought, oh, you know, maybe there is people out there, but to hear someone who, like yourself, is in a management role uh, and has been in several different management roles, to say that, you know, it speaks volumes, I guess. You know, basically, I have a couple of questions that I'd like to ask you and sort of, you know, you might want to ask her a question or so, but my my first one that I generally ask sort of more towards the end of the phone call is, um, and I think this is probably a good time to ask it, can anyone be a manager? I think uh, with appropriate training, anybody can be a manager. But it's like I think it's a it's a skill it's a skill that's learned. I believe. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think that um, 
like anything, I think there will be there are people that are naturally suited to uh, managing people, and I think that there are people that are just going to find that tough. So, um, uh, something that uh, so I've, I've recruited managers in the past um, mm-hmm. through several roles, and the first question I always ask people at interview um, when they uh, interview to, to be a manager, and often you know, some of those managers management roles are sort of first time or junior management roles. First thing I and so people often uh, interview them with no experience, and I'm looking for for attitudes, behaviours, and values because I reckon I can teach people how to I can I can teach those skills because I do think that they are teachable skills. But what I'm looking for, and uh, the first question I always ask people is what why do you what do you want to be a manager? So being a manager means to me you're responsible for all the bad results of your team, uh, but you never you can never take responsibility for the good stuff that happens because that's team members you got to give credit to your team members to do that. That means that you've got to bear all the pressure from your manager, dealing with things that often seem a little bit meaning, menial that your staff members are encountering or, or need help with, and you've got to, basically it's your job to solve people's problems. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible for all the awkward and difficult conversations that you have to have with team members, mm-hmm. while getting little to no praise for a lot of that work from your, your, your manager. Because often, if you do it right, they're not even going to know that it's happened. So, why do you want to be managers? It seems pretty unrewarding, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, like, and that's that's the cold, hard reality of it. So, even if you if you're able, to, I think you're able to teach people the skills about effectively communicating with people and and being able to effectively delegate. So, I would say there, the answer to your question right now is is yes, anybody can be a manager. Yeah. But I also think that uh, you've got to have a certain amount of, of, of mental fortitude and, and resilience because at the end of the day, that, that the, the signs of a good manager are literally will do those things and you'll do them fairly regularly over a week. You'll encounter at least one of those three things every single week as a manager, I reckon. Yeah. So um, to be able to actually cope with that and, 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 and not let that really get to you, that's where I think it's uh, certain people are sort of cut out for it and are able to cope mm-hmm. and, and others um, sort of struggle a little bit. Yeah, in terms of struggling... Like I, I definitely find there's there's a lot of times where I do struggle within the role that I've been given now and the responsibilities, especially in terms of delegation, you know, where you're so used to going, I'm, I'm better off just doing it because I know I'm going to get it done or I'm going to get it right without there being any flack back rather than giving trust in my team to actually try and get it done versus you more just want to take that responsibility on yourself because you know you can get it done right. Whereas being... It's so easy to do. Yeah, being in a man in a manager's role, like you just said, it's sort of the tables turn where you sort of start to push back. You give a bit of you delegate those type of jobs that you would normally be doing, and then have faith in your team that they can pull off getting it done. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so have you have you had any success in delegating effectively uh, to date, or is it something that's sort of um, been a bit of a challenge for you? It's I, I, it's, I, I, it's neither, def- is not, neither, neither is wrong. Uh, it's definitely a challenge, I t- I'll tell you that. And I've had uh, a few instances where I've tried to delegate work or ask people to do specific things which I know are in their role or their capabilities and, and then with not sort of sounding direct because they're not used to me asking them to do stuff. So mm-hmm. in terms of that happening, I get my boss coming back to me going, oh, hang on a minute, no, you can't actually, or you shouldn't be doing that or, you know, and then it's like, well, hang on a minute. I thought that's what I was meant to be doing within this role. Yeah, right. So, mm. so what? A, um, have you had a conversation with? So, the first thing you've really got to be clear about, I think, is is what the expectations your boss has of you. So, what? Of course. What are the what are the key what are the key metrics? What are the key things that that, that you're responsible for? That your team is responsible for delivering. Uh, that's that, that's number one. So, uh, and I, I'll, probably a, a good way to go about having that conversation and, and managing up is is really important because if you don't get that right, um, yeah. then no matter how effective you are, you, you're probably not going to 
100% hit the mark with what your boss's expectations are because you actually haven't defined it. So In that case, unless you don't know what those expectations are because you haven't or haven't known about having those conversations with your boss. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, uh, do you have, a, um, have, you, have you had a, a, a meeting where you sort of planned out your goals and objectives for the, for the year or for the quarter or, or however it works within your organisation? That'd probably be the first thing you might ask. Yeah, my, my KPIs have been been written out but they're more they're tailored towards this the sales side of things you know like hitting dollar value with your suppliers and stuff like that versus expectations within the team and stuff so is that a a team goal or is that a year goal that i know of at the moment all my kpis are are yearly yeah like i said they're all tailored towards reaching a dollar value with suppliers that's that's literally it cool and that's that's the dollar value that you are responsible for your team delivering or is that an individual dollar value for you that's for me. That's yeah, that's okay, that's right. all of my KPIs. Okay, right. No worries. Yeah. So, in terms of your um, uh, your, your delegations, your responsibilities for your team, what do they look like? So, what, what are you responsible for for in terms of managing your team? Besides the dollar value ones, that's all that's written out for me. Like when I start to do certain things within the team, it's it's like, oh, hang on a minute, no, you're not meant to be doing that, or. You know, so I I feel like, like you said, I really need to have that conversation with my boss to get a better understanding of what my actual role as a manager is, because that still hasn't been, we haven't spoken about it. It's just like, yeah, you know. I think that would be a really good starting point, James. For yeah, 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 um, absolutely. So, yeah, so a couple of pointers I'll give you around how to, how to approach that. Sure. So um, the first thing, with, uh, anytime you're speaking to, to anyone above you on the organisation chart, never initiate a meeting without a clear purpose. So mm-hmm. make sure that you let him know exactly what you want the meeting to be about. Mm-hmm. So I just, uh, I would say, you know, I'd love to catch up with you and take half an hour, 45 minutes, up to an hour of his time to have a, a really a talk about my KPIs and also what you'd like me to be doing with the sales team. The, the next thing that I, I would do if I were you in terms of preparing for that meeting is have a bit of a think about what the outcome of that meeting might look like. So what are the likely outcomes of the meeting? What is he likely to say? So um, outcome one for, 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 for this scenario for me, based on what you've told me, would be that he turns around and he says, look, okay, well, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a management, the title is manager, but really what I want from you is to achieve a dollar value in sales and that's an individual target. So yeah. you'll have to be prepared for that as an outcome and uh, have a bit of a think about you know what your responsible being is, that is the outcome. So is, is that the, the, the job that you really want to do um, or are you, uh, are you looking for a little bit more? And it's okay to say that you're looking for a little bit more, but if you do say that, you've got to be prepared to, to, to really take a little bit more responsibility and accountability for and sure. be prepared to propose a solution. So what, what would that solution look like? And that may be that, that you recommit to maybe a broader dollar value in sales uh, and, and, and reflect that as a, a bit of a team target as well as have that individual component just to prove that you can actually effectively manage and lead, and lead the team and, and you're actually putting skin in the game by doing that. So that might be a solution there. Yeah, another, right. another possible outcome of the meeting might be that do have some um, responsibilities for leading and managing that team but they mm. just haven't been defined yet. That's a really good outcome yeah. in my book. From, from what you're telling me because that's really what you're after. Yeah, so uh, the outcome of that meeting is then, okay, well, you'll, uh, you'll be able to work with it to define what those expectations are mm-hmm. in, in terms of that element of your role. Uh, document them. Again, the way that you put skin in the game there is, is absolutely they become part of your KPIs and, and absolutely you'll, you'll be accountable for, for, for performance of, of managing those things. But, but because you've, because that's documented as defined, you can have a lot more clarity around what you can and can't do with those people in terms of the direction you give them and how you engage them. That's great. Like I, I'd never even thought of it in that way before. The way I thought of it was, okay, my boss tell me, here's your KPIs, get going. That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to think, it's, but it's, to, it's to have that... It's a trap that we can fall into 
managers when we set KPIs, and I, I don't want to be critical of your manager, but uh, what, what I might say is that it's, uh, I, I think that setting KPIs works best when, as a manager, we're really transparent around what our KPIs are with our yeah, team members. So sure. something I'm really conscious of when I set my team's KPIs, yeah. I actually show them my own KPIs, and I say, well, this is what I'm responsible for delivering. This is how I've actually defined your area of responsibility there. So I can only be successful if you're successful because yeah. your KPIs directly relate to Well, Correct. we don't do that and we just say, this is what I expect and good luck and off you go. That, that's when we can fall into a bit of trouble as managers because we don't actually buy in from that team because there's no context behind why we're expecting most things. But that, that would be defined by, for a lack of term, a good and a bad manager, would you say? Or uh, at an experienced styles. or non-experienced manager? Probably, probably just different styles, I'd say, sure. um, uh, James. Because yeah, I mean, you can still you, you can still get results if you if you're doing things not my way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's just um, I've found that, uh, that that what works really well for me. I, I work my style of management is very much I, I empower people, so I get people to buy into to, to what we're trying to achieve. Yep. And to do that, I've, I've got to be transparent. Um, sure. Yeah, because. Otherwise, how do you actually get people to, to buy in? If they don't understand why we're trying to do something, they're not going to buy into it. That doesn't necessarily mean that if, that if, if someone with a different style of management sort of comes in and says, you must do this, this, and this, and, and sets some really clear go- um, timelines around things that are expected that they can't achieve the same results as me or better, yeah. um, it's just a different style. Yeah. Speaking of transparency um, there, do you find that you, you sway your management style depending on the people that you're dealing with or the person that you're dealing with? Kind of. I, 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 I'll, um, I'll probably change the way that I communicate to people. So, yeah. and what I mean by that is, it, sometimes, sometimes my style of management will fall down if I don't hold people accountable. So, what people can tend to do when you when you empower them, uh, if you take your finger off the pulse with, with everybody, some people will take a little bit of leniency or, or t- try to take advantage of you. So. Yeah. The way that you actually hold people accountable, that, that probably changes a little. People, the high performers, you probably don't, I probably communicate with in a different way, not less, but in a different way to they need a little bit more direction and help to around actually setting their own goals. It's actually really hard to set your own goals. Um, and again, it's something that, that you have to sort of teach people how to do and some people embrace it really quickly and they're the people yeah. that you probably communicate with a little bit differently because they're sort of self-starters. So for them, it's more about making sure that you keep them confident about that they are actually doing the right thing and that, that, that they know that you know that they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, people that might struggle with setting their own goals a little bit, certainly I don't set those goals for them, but I'll, I'll help guide them a lot more around and making sure that that actually happens what I might do is I might come in and actually set their milestones where the self-starters, I'll probably just trust that they're going to get to the end goal and set their own milestones. That's one thing I've started to do was never really in the past with any other job set myself goals and I was like moving into a manager's role. It's, I was doing some research, I was doing some Googling and a lot of the time I was coming up with people talking about setting goals. So, And I was like, well, I've never actually really set myself any goals. So the way I started doing it was just setting myself really simple goals. Like I'd write down like a checklist of, you know, just simple things like make my bed, brush my teeth, have breakfast, and then feeling that accomplishment of being able to tick those things off in the morning and just progress, nice. progressively getting into the routine of actually starting to set myself goals and achievable goals and then moving into a more advanced goal setup, I guess, where it was a bit more harder to achieve. And then I've started tailoring those to a lot of like my day-to-day type stuff that I do, which has really, really helped me, I guess, stay more organized with what I'm doing. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, we, um, we've got a, a startup accelerator that's attached to ACS uh, where I work at the moment. And uh, one of the things that those startup mentors uh, tell uh, entrepreneurs that are actually starting up their own companies yep. uh, is if, you, if you're not getting up uh, early, 
and you're not uh, making your own bed and, and having brekkie, and usually there's a third one, it depends on the mentor exactly what that third one is. Yep. But the bed and brekkie uh, are two, two absolute necessities, and um, uh, a lot of the startup mentors actually, um, if those entrepreneurs aren't doing those two things mm-hmm. or don't adopt those two things, then, mm-hmm. uh, then they actually don't work with them because it's, it's, it's a huge tell um, around uh, people that are actually going to fail in business or not. So, uh, yeah, sending, just simple things like actually yeah. you know, having brekkie yeah. and, and you're right, making your bed is, is, is an achievement each day. It's the first thing you accomplish and you start the day by having actually ticked off. Yeah, uh, ex- exactly. You, you feel so much more rewarded at the end of the day knowing that you've actually accomplished or achieved a certain amount right. of things. Yeah. yeah. Just feel and so how much. Much. Exactly. And a lot of it was learning to become consistent. A lot of the things that, well, that I do, especially, and I found that to be, once I started to be a lot more consistent within my work days or the work week, it was just, everything just became a lot more smoother, more streamlined. It was just a lot easier to start hitting those goals or achieving those goals at the end of the day or, you know, and then obviously feeling that satisfaction of reward at the end of it. Nice. So how do you, how do you apply that to your KPIs? That's what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, what I'd suggest is break it down into small, measurable chunks. Yeah. So if you've got an annual target that you've got to hit dollars-wise, what does that look like monthly? Yes. What does it look like daily? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's a bit hard to do the sales targets, but yeah. what are you actually doing? So you have about 240 working days in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you take out all your weekends and public holidays, mm-hmm. what do you actually need to do every day to make sure you meet your weekly and monthly targets uh, so that you achieve your annual target? Exactly, um, and it might not be that you have to that you set yourself a, a sales target every day, um, but there'll be certain things that you can tick off to make sure that you actually yeah that you're actually on track to meet it at the end of the year or at least absolutely yeah, and that might be so your daily target might be I'm going to reach out to at least one new prospect, two new prospects, three new prospects uh, each day uh, because I know that if I you know, uh, approach 100 people in a month, then I'm going to get 10 meetings and convert one, and that's going to equal X dollars, mm. um, something like that. So yeah, right. Um, yeah, and that way you daily, so you, you might not actually close those people every, you might not close a deal every day, mm-hmm. but you can go home and you can say, okay, well, I know that I've actually worked, to, I've, I've, I'm going to achieve my KPI because I have contacted those three new co- uh, prospects and, and I've actually got talking to, you know. Yeah, which is going to lead to something yeah. bigger or better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes, it makes communicating up really easy too because, again, whenever you, you're touching base or whenever your manager's touching base with you, mm-hmm. you've got a purpose for that conversation. You've got something to, something measurable uh, and definable to, Yes, correct. That's a really good one, Adam. I, I appreciate you you telling me about that, and obviously that's something I, I should definitely consider and uh, approach my manager. And obviously, in the way that you suggested is is a, a good way, not just blindside him and go, "Hey, let's have this conversation." Yeah, and be, be prepared to offer solutions at the meeting. That's, that's the yeah, yeah, to yeah, up. yeah. yeah never absolutely. go to a manager with a problem without a proposed solution, even yeah. if it's the wrong one. At least it shows that your manager you've had a bit of a think about it before you've gone to them. For sure. Next question. As a manager, what would you say your greatest asset is? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. My greatest asset is my ability to, to actually get buy-in from people. So, uh, And that's to external people as, as well as, as team members. Uh, that's and, and it's carried me through. So my, my, my style of management is very, very much about uh, empowering people to achieve themselves. And if they achieve, then, then I achieve. And if, uh, if they don't, then well, they, they don't not achieve really. Um, because if, if people aren't achieving, then you've got to be a bit ruthless as a manager and either work with people to help them achieve or if they're not the right person for the job or they're disengaged and, and working against you, you've, you've got to be ruthless and, and act on that. 
So it might be just a, my biggest asset um, over my career has been my ability to actually get people to, to sing the same tune and uh, get people to really believe in, in what I'm trying to do. And I do that through being open and transparent and bringing a lot of energy to the game. It's, I think uh, energy is, is so, so important. If you're positive and you're, and you're demonstrating energy and it's genuine, but people really feed off that. It's infectious. Like you were just saying, to get buy-in and get people to sing to your tune, let's let's give you an example of let's just say you have a really good employee who's always hitting targets always doing really well but doesn't sing to your tune yeah <laughs> that's a that's a, a cracking result can i throw that one back at you james what, what's your opinion on that one i'll give you my opinion but i'm still really interested to get yours i'll tell you exactly what i would do i would fire him yeah uh, it's 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 a key one it's uh, companies just about every company these days has a set of values yeah. That the, and that's the, you know, the companies and usually their sort of, you know, integrity, honesty. Like the internal uh, culture of the business? Yeah, it is the right thing, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you've got somebody that's achieving and they're not adhering to your values, that's more destructive than somebody that's not achieving, in my opinion. Uh, so I would agree. I'd say that... Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't, uh, nece- I wouldn't necessarily fire them. I would, I would sit down with them and maybe have a discussion with them. If the result turns negative, then I think I'd just... They might be... The best sales person in the team, if they're not singing to your tune, it's really hard to, you want everyone to be collaborative and work together. And if that person can't work together in the team, then it starts to bring the morale down with everyone else. That's right. Yeah. So the, the, the first thing you probably, uh, that, that I probably have to do, or you probably have to do if you've got somebody like that, is really try to get down to the bottom of why. So, uh, so what, what, why are they uh, behaving that way? And some people, some people are just not nice people. Not nice people tend to attract other not nice people. Good people, good people won't put up with that behaviour, those, those types of behaviours or portrait from bad co-workers because good people are always employable. So the people that stick around in those environments that are created by these uh, destructive personalities are, are actually low performers and it drags the overall performance of the team down and puts much more pressure on you. Um, yeah, I so agree. You, you, if, yeah, so first of all, if you can find out why they're not singing to the same tune or why the, the behaviours or values are not in line with your expectations and mm. you can work with that person to correct those or motivate them or you know give them a reason to, to actually conform, that's your, your best bet because they actually are uh, high performers. If they're high performers because they destroy or, or demotivate people around them, then that's, 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 that's someone that's got to go, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. To sum it up, Adam, for a newcomer into a management position, well, let's let's define it as a, a middle management for now. What's one piece of advice you would give them into moving into that role? Yeah, moving into the role. Could I give three? Absolutely, go for it. Yeah, so uh, the first one is that managing up is really important. Talked about that today. So you must set really clear um, boundaries around conversations that you have with your manager, and every discussion you have with your manager has to have purpose. So number one, managing up is really important. Number two, uh, be prepared to give authority, uh, but take accountability. And what I mean by that is relinquish power and relinquish decision-making capability to your team, mm-hmm. and really and work with them and to, to actually build their capability to make the right decisions and do the right thing. But if they stuff up, you've got to be prepared to take accountability uh, for those mistakes. And number three, never wait to have tough conversations with people. You know, and manager, an old manager of mine used to coin the phrase, catch it, call it. If you see something that's not right or that doesn't adhere to what your expectations or your values are, yep. make sure that you, you have a one-on-one conversation away from the team uh, and address it straight away. Don't leave these things lingering. Fantastic. Well said. Thanks very much for being on the podcast tonight. No worries, Jane. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. Bye. Hi, it's James here. Thanks guys for listening. Please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed.